All right, so let's make it plain. Welcome back to Make It Plain Wayne, where we will entertain, we will heal, and we will build you up. I am Wayne, and this is Elevated Friendship. So today's topic, pain, doubt, and fear. And uh, although they sound like they're three completely different things, um, for me, they've kind of bled together and ran together in some cases. And I've seen how in some people's lives that pain uh, it may be physical, it may be mental, uh, you know, a traumatic, you know, thing that they've seen or, you know, some type of emotional baggage, you know, that's that's causing actual physical pain. Um, doubt, yes. Uh, it it's, it's like that hole in the bottom of the bucket where it just keeps draining the thing that you want to build up. <laughs> and it, it's robbing you before you even have a chance to, you know, deposit a check. It's already withdrawing something before you even deposit the money. <laughs> and then fear, it's that torture that nobody else can see. It's a fence and a wall built up that cages only you. And so how I came about this was actually a series of events in my life and other people that I've seen where uh, that pain uh, has manifested into a uh, present or future doubt, and then it's a fear. You know, so I, I guess my best example would be you take a, I don't know, a four-star, 100% quarterback that's being, uh, you know, drafted by, you know, the greatest schools, the greatest teams, and right after that drafting, he goes out and plays a game and just gets completely obliterated by a lineman, a linebacker, and breaks five ribs. Well, after that, that pain, that physical pain, is going to cause him to do something. Now, if it's just doubt, <laughs> what will happen is this gentleman might, I don't know, start maybe swinging plays over to the left if his, you know, ribs were cracked on the right or, you know, subliminally meaner to the linemen that are in front of him on his right side, which is where his, his ribs were broken, meaner to them because of that doubt, that pain had manifested into doubt now. So he doubts all future linemen in high school, in college, and in... uh <laughs> And in, you know, the NFL later years and just mean, just sick, mad. And then when the linemen have a chance to sit down and eat together and talk, they're like, yeah, man, you know, he's a great quarterback, but he's just mean, mean as hell. Wait, what are you talking about? He's the nicest guy in the world. All the linemen on the left say that he's the nicest guy in the world. He's buying them Christmas presents and, you know, eggnog and presents and whatever you want. Birthdays. He's showing up at funerals, showing up at, you know, the, the baby showers, all of that. But the, the lineman on the right, he's just mean, sick, mad. Because that's where he was damaged. And it's become a fear. And it's an invisible fence that has him caged in that he can't get out of. So not all of us are uh, million-dollar quarterbacks. I personally hate injuries because of uh, how long it takes you out of your groove. If you're, you know, 
this World Cup soccer team that's just beat the Netherlands, as amazing as they are, if you're the championship team that just you know won the NBA championship, the Raptors, or if you're the Patriots or the Blue Notes, you know whatever championship. You know I'm 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 a runner. I love track and field, so I'm going to give an example as well. But whatever it is, when you're injured, it takes you out of the opportunity. Not just to compete and have fun and and earn the money or scholarship or whatever it is. It takes you out of your purpose for being there. So let's step off of the field, off of the track, off of the court, off of the ice. What if you're just someone that isn't involved in athletics at all? What if I'm an engineer? What if I'm, you know, something else? Now, does that injury affect me, you know, the same way in an athletic perspective? No. But all of these things have an effect on us. And that pain, that physical pain, that doubt, that fear, you never know what that might prevent you from or put you in front of as far as future danger, job promotions, missing out on opportunities, uh, you know, missing out on things with your kids, your children, um, if your husband, your wife, missing out on that romance or that time with them because, you know, the window gets a little, it starts to close a little bit more when you're, you know, got little ones. But what does that injury really mean? Well, let me, let me go, let me cut to maybe a more relatable example. So, I'm traveling in between appointments at work. This was maybe about seven years ago. And uh, a girl is driving her new uh, car and the blind spots were horrible. I I've seen this car. It's an awesome car. Won't give names, won't drop names. I'm not going to bash them at all. I actually like this product line of, of cars. But the blind spot is horrible looking out the back. This girl swer swerves over almost runs me right off of the road into a pole. It took every amount of tension and foot, calf, ankle strength I could to hit the brakes, swerve out of the way, dodge this pole, people, all this stuff. Because this girl had, I mean, just basically just swam right over into my lane and knocked me pretty much out of the intersection. It was bad. It was a really bad accident. I wasn't at fault. The officer, you know, let me let me go. I went to the ER and got checked out. Um, and I didn't realize this, but that neck stiffness, that tension from that accident and getting hit um, had given me a little bit of PTSD. And I thought, oh, no, that's for, you know, that's for like military guys. That's for guys to get shot. You know, guys that you know, over in Iraq, that's for the heroes. That's for them, you know, PTSD. And then concussion protocol is another thing. So you get hit, you get knocked around. The brain doesn't have any protection on the inside. Now, our skull does as much as it can. But this one little accident was very annoying. Now, that mental pain, that traumatic experience, it, it was a little bit of a, a hurdle to get over. I didn't want to drive. It was for about two weeks. 
anytime I see somebody merging, I just thought the whole world was over. You know, it 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 felt like somebody was literally trying to choke me and, and, and you know, take the life out of my body when I would see people merge late or see people merge right in front of me. It just it brought all that tension, all that anger back. And there was one time I just had to pull over and I was like, man, let me just pull over, you know, off the side of the road, pull over at this park. Like my head is not right. Like you, you ask yourself like, man, should I be driving? You know, it, it plays on your self-esteem, you know, depending on what you've been through and what happened. But let's say it is a physical pain and you're getting back into, you know, a, a place in life. And actually, let me come back. I did get back up and running and driving. I love driving. That's probably why it was so traumatic. I love driving. You know, weeks later, I went to the chiropractor. They paid for that. Got adjusted. Felt great. Driving great. Doing awesome. So, you know, I found a way to get away from that doubt by continually finding ways to heal, rest, and let the people that know the body better than me take care of it. It's, it's very important. Um, I had to come out of my box. I had to come out of my shell. Now, that was all by choice, me going out to that appointment. Um, and they paid for it. So why not go? Um, but <laughs> what if it's not a car accident? What if it's just, I don't know, uh, an Achilles tear, a knee sprain, ACL, MCL, and you aren't an athlete? You're just somebody that goes to work every day. You love your job. You love what you do. Well, a lot of people don't understand that injury, that damage to your body, it does something to you mentally. So I don't know, let's say you had a, a summer goal or a winter goal of, you know, coming down maybe about, you know, 20 pounds, 30 pounds, 50 pounds, whatever it was, that injury <laughs> and that medication and that time off, especially during the winter time. Now I'm in the Midwest, so it's a little bit different here. Um, we eat a lot. <laughs> we have an excuse to eat a lot. We have a bunch of restaurants. We have pretty much everything here. Um, if you go downtown now, once you get in, out into the suburbs it you know, of course it is a little bit different. <laughs> But, you know, East and West Coast, you know, East, West Coast, you know, the South, you all definitely have it made when it comes to, you know, the taste of the food. But, oh, my God, the quantity here. Oh, my God. In the wintertime, those injuries can pretty much set you back up a year or two as far as training. Now, what these medications do to your body. They help. They work. They remove the pain, you know, they, they, they help you to heal, but only to a certain extent, a certain point. You know, all of that is not something you were born with. You weren't born with those medications in your body. You weren't born, you know, going under the knife and, and the surgeries and, and the miracle that they perform on you in doing those surgeries, your knees, your hips, your ankles, your Achilles, your shoulders, rotator cuff. The miracle that they perform is exactly that. <laughs> but what I'm saying is it takes your body a while to catch up. 
So now when you come back to the gym, when you come back to training, you second guess yourself a little bit. That doubt kind of comes in. Remember how I said doubt? It can rob you of things before you even make your deposit. It's like you made a deposit and a withdrawal at the same time. You're like, no, like, man, well, I guess I can't do, you know, CrossFit anymore. (laughs) I guess I can't do Zumba anymore. I I guess I can't, you know, do body combat, body, uh, body pump anymore. Now, what's really funny is there's an Olympic uh, runner who has ran so much and injured his ankle so much in the sacrifice of, you know, becoming an Olympian that he can't run to the left anymore. He can't run turns the traditional way around the track. He can go the other way, but just from the push and drive, that physical pain, I mean, it's, I, I won't even call it doubt. It's just straight fear now for him. Now, he actually has videos where he actually is running the 100 and he's having a fun time doing it because he loves track. He loves what he what he does. And I feel like that's the whole point of this message is finding a way to get through the doubt where you understand maybe this fear is limiting, but it's not permanent from a whole life. So, yeah. His fear is, I keep running on this ankle, I lose the whole thing. There's no more ligament. There's no more you know, cushion in there. It's just going to be all pain, all bad, all day. But that's, that's what I'm saying. He knows how bad things are going to be for him. And so what really bothered me about you know thinking about this topic, pain, doubt, and fear, was how many grandmothers, grandfathers, moms, dads, aunts, uncles, cousins are stuck in this illusion of doubt. There really isn't any pain. Now, it might be an emotional pain. Maybe somebody made fun of them so much at some point in their life that they just decided, well, I got made fun of so much by athletic people or people that had a six pack that it that just counts me out right there. I know for a fact, now you start to use the word fact might be true, but it's not a fact. You say, I know for a fact that I'm not athletic. I know for a fact that I shouldn't do this and shouldn't do that. Now, keep in mind, I love transformation stories. I love I go looking for this. I go looking for the people who have been stashed away, thrown in the trash, hurt, lied on, abused, cheated on, all of it. I go looking for those people because I love seeing them tear down all the walls. So it can be done. But here's the hard part. How do you stay motivated enough to go past a barrier that you've never gotten over before? And how do you keep the motivation, the drive, and the intensity to not just break through that wall, but the wall that comes after the wall you've never broken through, which is the new doubt? It comes out of nowhere. For some reason, it comes out of nowhere. It doesn't matter if you have five Super Bowl championship rings. It doesn't matter if you've 
always been overweight and you've never been, you know, in your terms, attractive, in your mind, attractive, the minute you break through that wall and you're finally attractive or you're finally an achiever or you've won the goal, there's another wall waiting for you that you have to break. You got to break that one, too. And that's why, in my eyes, I really love the, uh, the, the passion and the drive of a personal trainer. Um, I feel like gyms do take advantage of personal trainers, you know, in, in a lot of ways. And I think personal trainers are finding ways around that now, which is a beautiful thing, because um, as I'm seeing this and, and watching in my adulthood, a lot of us don't have that drive and that determination to stay on it every day. What day is it on the calendar? Oh, okay, it's, it's you know, this day. We do this every Monday. We do this every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, and we eat this at this specific time. Now, you can lie to yourself and say, if I eat this bowl of ice cream today, I won't do it tomorrow, and then you do it tomorrow. But a lot of people don't understand that that doubt attracts things to it. And so not only will you be stuck in that doubt and are you, you know, mm, I won't call it a fear, but you're stuck in that doubt from those, you know, beginning pains, mental, emotional pains. You're stuck in that doubt. And all you need is a hand. That's all you need is a hand. And we're all motivated in a different way. Now, one size does not fit all. One person, it might be a personal trainer. The other, it might just be to smell the water. You always wanted to swim. You always thought you were good enough, but you were too afraid to get out in the water and swim with, you know, the, the Michael Phelps or, you know, the ladies out there that, you know, just look like mermaids. They were just phenomenal. Maybe now you find a pool that you can swim in all by yourself on Tuesdays. Or maybe now it's a, it's a note, it's a musical note. It's hearing a song that inspires you or moves you in such a way that you just want to dance to it. Like, man, I, just, I, you know, I always wanted to you know, learn this type of dance and I just always felt embarrassed by it. So I just you know, never, never told anybody. And that dance is what makes, makes you look or feel or do what it is you need to do. Um, and I know, I know I'm talking about weight a lot here, um, but it is one of the hardest things to break. And it, it is because I feel like our diet choices and nutrition is the strongest addiction in our country. Um, in others, it's, it's, it's different. But it's not always weight. For some people, breaking that doubt a lot of times means, you know, better jobs, better promotions, a better life with their family, you know, husband with your wife, with your kids, you know, and your relationships. But like the heart of this message really is seeing, I'm seeing this in families, the doubt creates uh, a strong part of our characteristic where because we doubt ourselves in one way, we act a certain way. When in fact, if I were to remove that doubt in that specific area, 
you would be happier. You would be more aggressive in maybe some of the things you liked or you loved. So it just, it makes me wonder, like, how do you get your friends and your family to help you remove those doubts that are drowning you? Or what is it that you need to have in your life to constantly feed the hope and the heart and the joy inside that you really want to have, that you really want to keep and hold on to it? Like, what does that for you? And if you don't know, that's your homework assignment. (laughs) Go and find the thing that drives and motivates you so much that you can't think about anything but breaking those doubts. Somebody told you if you go in business, you won't last a year. Now you have that drive and motivation to drive past that bit, you know, that that year date <laughs> of making it. Somebody told you you'll never be small enough to run a marathon. Hmm. Guess what? In five months, you're running that marathon. Somebody told you you'll never be promoted. You'll never be a CEO. You'll never be a board executive. Or whatever it is, that doubt that's clouding you. I think it's okay to find somebody that's done it. And and you don't get that just by uh you don't get that just by searching the internet. Sometimes you do have to get out and and socialize with people if you aren't very social. You do have to get out and socialize with some, you know, different groups of people that maybe you haven't before. And what's funny is um we all know our types. It's really funny. We know our types, but when we get beat down and hurt, we fail to, you know, spend quality time with them. I don't know why that is. But, you know, if I'm if I'm a, a dad and a runner uh, and being a dad is preventing me from being a runner <laughs> and my job and all these things. It's like, why am I not partnering with someone like me? That has those three things, because guess what? There is. And it it kind of brings me back to, you know, this pain, doubt and fear combination. Um, When I was little, when I was a kid, I had some kids try to, you know, drown me for fun. That was fun for them because they knew what they were doing. I had absolutely no idea. And that, you know, (laughs) mental pain immediately created fear. I was always fearful of any any water that I, you know, couldn't stand in and have, you know, my head above water. So getting close to that deep end, that just wasn't going to happen for me. So you fast forward a couple of years, I'm in a pool and I slip. I can't get out. It's a little bit over my head. I, you know, start choking a little bit underwater. I come out throwing up all over the place. I'm just a couple of years older, you know, still a kid. Well, I didn't really go in many pools after that for, for a long time. If I wanted to cool off, I'd just have a a freeze pop or something. <laughs> Some summers just they they never phased me, they never bothered me. I had some ice cream, you know, whatever. But finally, it got to a point where I <laughs> 
I was actually done running track and I was helping hurdlers and they were throwing the coaches in and oh my God. Oh no, I'm sorry. Let me backtrack. I jumped way too far ahead. This was, I believe my very, uh, maybe my last indoor conference meet. Um, so as a runner, you know, I was very confident in my body and my abilities as a martial artist, very confident in my body and my abilities. And I don't know why, but for some odd reason, the guys all came and got me, young freshmen, you know, <laughs> full of energy and, and wit. And, you know, a couple of those guys grabbed me, threw me in the pool. I didn't even think anything of it to say, I can't swim. So, you know, obviously if I've had a fear of, of the water, as a kid, I'm not going to be able to swim when I'm in college. I, I didn't try to learn. And, you know, even in junior high, I thought it was a waste of time. Well, fast forward to me getting married. I get married and I'm arguing with my wife about doing stuff on our vaca vacation in the water. And I'm like actually like legit mad. Like she slapped me in front of in front of people in public. <laughs> you know, I'm like. No, I, hey, I don't feel like doing that. Like, I'm like real mad at her. Like, not mad, mad, but I'm like, you know, getting annoyed. Well, later she starts giving me instructions and teaching me how to swim. She was a lifeguard, so this is easy for her. And all of my fears and all of my doubts, I found out why. You know, I just, I have a lower density. I don't float as well as the average person. But moving, I, I can move really well in the water. And I picked up a lot of things really, you know, really well. It removes so much fear to the point where I could go out and swim and do a workout. Now, I'm not, you know, Michael Phelps or anybody, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to beat anybody. I might talk like I'm going to beat somebody and, you know, trash talk them a little bit because it's funny because I, I secretly know I'm not, <laughs> not going to do anything. But. That was a fear that I had to break. I had to. I just I told myself, you know what? This fear isn't worth another argument with my wife. This fear isn't worth losing out on the opportunity to be in a coral reef and see the beautiful things, you know, in the ocean in Jamaica or the Caribbean. This fear isn't it, it it's it's too expensive. I need to sell it. I don't like it. It's costing me too much. If you have one of those fears, I'm going to put that on you to remove it. I don't care what it is. Let's remove it. If it's sharks, because, oh, God, I don't like sharks. <laughs> if it's birds, if it's refrigerators, I don't know what it is. If it's making the first move on a date, if it's marriage, if it's research it. Don't just research why you're upset, you know, with it or you're fearing it. Research what it actually is, what that thing actually is. Do all the research. And then after you get all the research, if all the research backs up what you're saying about that fear. I think it might I think it might be time to talk to somebody else. Because I don't feel like any one fear is strong enough or good enough to trap you from having a good life. Now, obviously, there are some extreme cases where some people have been through some things I have not been through, 
where it's not as simple as giving, getting over the fear of swimming. I mean, if you've been through some real scenarios, some real issues that require a mental health therapist, a shrink, I highly advise that. It's, it's beautiful what they can do. They are a masseuse for the mind. You know, I'm not going to say that other aspects are a waste of time um, because they are helpful. If you have a friend, a family member, a pastor, um, you know, someone that you go to, you confide in, a mentor, I'm not going to break that up, especially if it's working. That's great. But <sighs> take some time to tear that thing apart, really. And then when you do that, go help somebody else do it and don't annoy them. Make sure you know them well enough to know when you're annoying them or actually pushing them and driving them. Because this this doubt piece, the pain is just a sting at the beginning. I was stung by a wasp uh, a couple days ago. Now, that pain, um, it's I don't have any doubt in my body or my abilities at all. Now, it did give me nausea, headaches, a little bit of dizziness. I thought the sting was just a sting. Well, then I looked up the symptoms and all that is like, it's all horrible. It, it really is. But that pain is going to create any doubt or any fear in me. But I'll tell you what, next time I do see a wasp or, you know, something, I'm going to pull out a lightsaber, pull out some nunchucks. I might call, you know, Elle from Stranger Things and see if she can, you know, knock them out of the air. I'll do whatever I can to knock that thing out of the way. And that's just being defensive, you know, to preserve life because this thing is horrible. Um, thankful to my wife, she has a a little contraption that removes and pulls the uh, venom out of mosquito bites and bug bites. Highly recommend it. <laughs> uh, it was, it's, it's great. It's removed the venom, the toxins, and it's helped me heal faster. But after that, you know, sting, I don't, I don't want to fear this wasp. I'm not losing sleep over this thing. I don't have any doubt in my body, my abilities. I'm still going to go outside. And that day I still ran and still went back in the shade in the same area. I was just a little bit more <laughs> cognitive of, you know, what was going on and, and where I was. Um, you just, being smart, I think, is the, uh, the byproduct of fear uh, in a healthy way. Just being smart. Just being smart about it. I was in a car wreck. Somebody merged over on me. Now I'm a little bit smarter about how close I am to people. I watch them. I'm in their car driving with them, even if they don't know it. They start swerving and falling asleep, texting, drinking, whatever it was that you know delayed them from driving. I'm in their car with them too, whether they know it or not. So for me, pain, doubt, and fear should create a system of maybe defense or wisdom that helps you interact in those scenarios a little bit better. So you check it off the box. It's like, it's like a to-do list. Well, did, did I approach the intersection lazy? Did I come into the intersection thinking that I'm the only one there? Did I check for other drivers coming east, west? Am I going to get T-boned? Did I see that the girl in front of me is still doing her hair and her makeup? Is the guy in front of me eating donuts and coffee? Are they texting? Is the, you know, are they looking back at their kids while still trying to drive? You know, so I'm checking all these boxes. It's not a fear anymore. It's just something that, hey, 
this is how I, you know, handle my, I, I, I rinse, I floss, I brush, I gargle. <laughs> you know, it's just like all these things. It's preventative maintenance. But like I said, if you have been through these things, if you've defeated the doubt and the fear, of course you're going to go through the pain. It's, it, it's life. No one's immune to all this. But if you see that there is a window where you can talk to your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, your aunt, your uncle, grandma, grandpa, if you see a window in there and you can help them remove that doubt, you can help them remove that struggle, please do it. It doesn't look good on anybody. And to just walk around fearful and doubting things that people are just gobbling up like Skittles. They're just gobbling them up like candy. Like, that's just not right. And we should want more and we should want better for our families. So if it's pain, if it's a scratch, if it's mental, if it's emotional, it later will manifest into doubt and fear. And that's not what I want for you. I would love for those things to be a preventative maintenance. So it's not just pain, doubt, and then fear. It's pain, the knowledge of what happened to you, the background of what happened to you, and then you have that preventative maintenance so it won't happen again. But hey, guess what? If it does happen again, I mean, I was stung by a bee as a kid. I think when I was five, I just got stung by a wasp. And this is like a span of like over 20, 30 years. It's look at the gap, like to, to fear something that wouldn't happen for another 20 or 30 years. How much sense does that make? So. Pain, doubt and fear. Let's 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 break those down, dissolve those and, and get the microscope out and dissect them. If you can't do it alone, find somebody that will help you, please ask for the help. It's not going to come to you and you're not going to do it on your own. If you've been fearing these things and doubting these things for years, it is not going to get better. That scar on your leg, it will not remove itself. I have one. <laughs> and that scar on my leg made me a better runner. Because what happened was being tired, I broke the rules and scraped a hurdle next to me. So that's not a doubt. That's not a fear. The pain taught me a lesson. I dissected, got my microscope out. I got the background on it. Now I know the rules and it never happened again. Ran races, won championships. So let's eliminate that progression of pain, doubt, and fear. If it is a pain, if it hurts you mentally, physically, emotionally, let's find out why. Not just internally, but externally. And if the people that are hurting you won't give you the answer, trust me, you can go and find out how. You can go and find out why. Without even talking to them, you can go around them and find out. Because hurt people hurt people. And when you really realize that, you realize you aren't hurt by a valued substance. You are hurt by a damaged, broken glass substance. You rubbed up against broken glass, and that's what hurts you. 
people are like that. We're, we're pretty venomous. We're pretty vile at times. And we hurt people not even thinking about it. But that is no reason to tuck up and back away and think that life is over. People hurt, hurt people, hurt people without even realizing it. So even if you cut them out of your life, you'll still run into more of it. You just have to understand that it's not you. It's them. <laughs> like the classic dating line. It's, hey, it's, it's not you. It's me. It really is them. They really do have a problem. When they say it's not you, it's me. They're being honest. And for whatever reason, they're withholding information. That is the most honest thing they can say. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't lose any sleep over that. So that's all I got. Pain, doubt, and fear. I hope this helps you all today. Just wanted to kind of get this off my chest because I see so many families, friendships, and people that need this message. And just seems like nobody's saying it. We need to help each other. We need to reach out and grab each other's hand and pull each other up. Because a lot of us are just alone in this thing. And we're not doing it. We're not winning. We are not. <laughs> and it takes some anger, some motivation, some drive to, you know, finally say, I'm done with this. This thing has robbed me of so much joy, so much life before I even get a chance to open the package. It's already snatched away from me. Or I've been tortured for so long by this. And it's not even here. The little kid that did that to me is no longer here. The man or woman that abused me or hurt me is no longer here. I'll never see him again. But guess what? The next time you do, be well, be better, be about your life and be built up in a way that I, I saw this on, on a movie where you know, a gentleman had completed all he needed to complete in life to be what you and I will call an accomplished man. But when he got back in front of a past bully, he crumbled like an old brittle cookie and he turned right back into what that bully made him years ago. That never has to happen again. And if you understand why that bully is saying what they're saying to you, male or female, you understand that they are twice as damaged as what they made you. All right. That's enough pain, doubt, and fear. Let's dissect it. Let's work on it. Let's get better. Let's be better. Make it better. And uh, yeah, you all have a great week. Have a great weekend and a great week and weekend after that. I love you all. I'll see you soon.